Father in heaven, we do pray for uh, this morning, this Lord's Day. We thank you for the joy that it is to gather with uh, with your people. And so, God, I pray as we uh, are here today and as um, uh, we have this equipping hour and then our uh, worship service and other things throughout the day with fellowship groups and, and various uh, things throughout the day, God, I pray that we would be refreshed. I pray that we would, we would rest in, in ways um, above and beyond and deeper than, than just mere physical rest, but that we would rest in you and that you would renew us uh, by your word and through singing and uh, through preaching and praying together uh, that we'd be encouraged. We pray for this class uh, on parenting. We uh, pray for all the parents at our church that you would give us patience and grace and gentleness and wisdom and love and all the things that are, are necessary to uh, raise our kids well. And I pray as a community, even even those without kids, would um, would see themselves as a vital part of of, uh, of investing in the next generation and of, of um, helping to instill biblical wisdom and, um, and biblical examples in our kids also. So we pray for your help in this time. I uh, pray that it be edifying and encouraging and helpful. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Well, we, uh, you're in the parenting class, so I hope that's where you've meant to be. Uh, so we are um, uh, talking about discipline today. Um, I do want to say, so this class has had a number of different topics, right? So there's been a number of things. And so uh, I taught this class on discipline a couple years ago and kind of the same thing uh, I said then that I'll say now is that you can't, you can't just kind of airdrop into this session, right? And just, you know, parenting isn't all about discipline. Sometimes we can kind of feel that way or, or, or hear that enough that, that we think that's, this is the main thing that we're, we're, we're talking about uh, when we talk about parenting. So parenting is not just about discipline. And all of the other things that we've talked about in all these classes that we have had, are all building kind of a structure. And so uh, just to airdrop into this lesson and just to hear this, or if you're listening online and I'm speaking into the mic now, if uh, it's not, there's all kinds of other classes. So we've talked about uh, uh, so many things about, about loving well and about uh, investing in our, in our kids and about uh, the vision of parenting. There's so many things that uh, just remind you of the context in which this class finds itself, the goal and vision of the family, how to re- repent of our own sins as parents. We had a whole week on uh, sins common to, to parents and what it looks like to, to repent uh, of those. Um, but what we are after, we are after um, obedience and how to think uh, well about our kids' hearts, how to communicate and to our kids and instruct them um, as we are intentionally as we are, are parenting them. So uh, for that reason, this week we are turning specifically to discipline. Um, teaching and instructing our kids is, uh, is essential, uh, but our parenting is, is incomplete if our parenting is only formative instruction. Right, so, so instructing our kids, uh, teaching our kids is essential, but if our main focus or if the only thing we do is kind of a formative uh, instruction, our parenting will be incomplete because our parenting will also necessarily include formative correction. Right, so not just formative instruction, but also formative correction that comes when our children have chosen to do something that is foolish or disobedient. And that's where discipline comes in when our kids have chosen to do something foolish and disobedient. So our parenting, we want it to be formative instruction, and we want our parenting to have formative discipline. Those two things together will help to teach and instruct our kids. You can see there in your outline that we have uh, kind of a three-part thing that we want to do this morning. So I'm going to talk about why we discipline and then what do we mean by discipline. 
I wrestled even as late as this morning with which one of those I wanted to do first. I, I can see good reasons for kind of uh, defining what we mean by discipline and then coming back and talking about why we do it. Um, I also uh, like this outline uh, because I, I think uh, seeing why we do it actually paves the way for understanding what it is and why, uh, why discipline is defined the way that it is. And so that's what we're doing. Why we discipline, what do we mean by discipline? And then uh, there on the back of the sheet, when and how do we discipline? I'm going to try to go fast because uh, last time I taught this, I barely got to the when and the how, and I was super depressed by that. Uh, and so I want to, uh, there's a lot of questions people have and, and wondering a lot of practicals and things like that. So we're going to try to, to, to have a good uh, pace about us, which if you've ever had me do an equipping hour, that's not my strong suit. So um, anyway, keep me accountable somehow. All right. So why do we discipline? Uh, number one, big point. Number one, I'm going to give you four reasons. You have those uh, outlined on your sheet. Uh, reason number one that uh, we discipline is because our kids are full of foolishness. Our kids are full of foolishness. Proverbs chapter 22, verse 15 says this, folly is bound up in the heart of a child, but the rod of discipline drives it far from him. Folly is bound up in the heart of a child. I heard Greg Gilbert, pastor in, in uh, Louisville, Kentucky, talking about about this, and he just referred to kids are so sweet and they're cute, but they're just sweet little bundles of iniquity. <laughs> they're sweet little bundles of, of, of foolishness, right? That's what Proverbs 22 is saying that the folly is bound up in the heart of a child, but the rod of discipline drives it far from him. Uh, when this passage talks about folly, though, uh, folly is not the same as mere childishness, right? So children spill milk at the dinner table. Mine more than average. It's got to be. My kids have the spiritual gift of spilling milk. Um, but, but children spill milk. Um, they break things without knowing that, okay, that amount of force and that amount of leverage would have caused that thing to break. I didn't even know that thing came apart, but there it is. Uh, that thing came apart. Uh, so so there's, there's, there's child in it, childishness, right? They run over your toes because they can't gauge how wide that little car is that they're driving, right? That, that there's childishness that our kids have. It's just part of maturing and part of growing and part of childhood development, right? We don't discipline. When we're talking about discipline. We, we don't discipline for childishness. Uh, we don't discipline uh, even for immaturity, right? That's, that's not what we discipline for. We're not disciplined for childishness or immaturity. That's not what we're talking about. Instead, when Proverbs says that folly is bound up in the heart of a child, and when we say that we discipline because our kids are full of, full of foolishness, right? Uh, Proverbs relates folly or foolishness to the person who has no fear of God, right? Proverbs, that, that's the fool in contrast to the wise. The fool is the one who has no fear of God. So, so the fool will not hear reproof. They will not receive correction. The fool will not submit to authority. The fool mocks God and lacks wisdom, which begins with the fear of the Lord, right? That, that's, that's what uh, characterizes the fool, right? Uh, Psalm chapter 14, verse 1, the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. So the fool, <clears throat> biblically considered, lives out the immediacy of their lusts, lives out the immediacy of their cravings, lives out the immediacy of their expectations, lives out the immediacy of their, their own personal hopes and fears and all of that. All right, so, so what we realize when we, this, this is point number one, if you guys are just coming in, we're under main point number one, why we discipline, sub point one, we discipline because our kids are full of foolishness. 
and, uh, and we, we just realize that, that the, the question here is one of authority, right? So will the child live under the authority of God and therefore under the authority of his or her parents, or will that child live under their own authority, driven by their own wants, driven by their own passions? That really is the crux of our discipline. Discipline is not first and foremost that I say something and I want you to do what I say. There, there, there's something that we're going to talk about that in a minute. There, there's something that, uh, uh, that's important about that, about a, a parent giving instruction and a kid obeying that. But, it, but it's more than that. There's a bigger picture here that we want our kids to obey God. We want them to know that there's consequences for sin, right? So the, 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 same, the same heart that says in the garden, it's only a piece of fruit. It's a big deal. Is the same heart that yells, crucify him. Give us Barabbas. Right? That, that heart is on a trajectory. And the Bible is teaching us how to save our kids from that trajectory. All right? It's a question of authority. So very basically, which by the way, and I, I'm going to start getting stuff all out of order here. I'll, I'll start to say stuff that I mean to say later. Uh, but so uh, for, in our parenting, uh, for, for, for Kim and me, one of the things we say from zero to five, our goal is for our kids to know there is an authority and it's not you right? The zero to five, that's, that's our goal, right? And so, listen, we, we gospel in all kinds of ways. We give biblical instruction in all kinds of ways. We're, we're always, we're, we're doing that a lot. But from zero to five, every little infraction, every little act of disobedience, every time my kid says no, isn't me getting down and, okay, let's walk through the, let me have this gospel conversation with you and kind of have this back and forth kind of conversation like you're an adult, like you're not an adult, right? You did that thing, you hit your sister, we're going to have a conversation about that, but there's a consequence that's going to come because of that, right? You just said no to your mom. That does not happen in this house. You do not oppose your mom or dad. You just said no to your mom. There's going to be a consequence for that, right? Zero to five, there's an authority and it's not you. That's our goal. And, and really, and again, it's not, just, it's not just because of us, but because of what is that is representing. God has put us as parents in our kids' lives, and that heart is a heart that is going to rebel against God as well. All right, so, so that, that's part of, of uh, what we are after here. Uh, a kid is going to either live under the authority of God and under the authority of his or her parents or under their own authority, driven by their own wants and passions. So very basically, we find a foundational concept here that our kids are sinners just like us, right? Folly is bound up in all of our hearts. But in the formative years, there is a special sense in which folly is bound up in the heart of a child, right? We're all sinners, but there's a special sense in the formative years that uh, folly is bound up in the heart of a child. They're learning things about authority. They're learning things about submission. They're learning things about obedience and disobedience. They're testing how far they can push and what they can get away with. And so we begin with understanding that folly is bound up in our kids' hearts. You've got to know this and believe this. Please don't be one of those parents where, like, you know, <laughs> you hear your kid did something at school or children's ministry or with the babysitter, and you're like, my child? Oh, my child would never do that. You know, like, don't. I'm like, yep, I, I see that. I understand. And then my kid is a bundle of iniquity, right? Like, so we, we, I understand that. Um, and, uh, and that's just, that's uh, in these formative years where, where the kids are learning these kinds of things. Here's another verse. Proverbs 19.15. Proverbs 19.15. The rod and reproof give wisdom, but a child left to himself brings shame to his mother. The rod and reproof give wisdom, but a child left to himself gives shame to his mother. You see there in that verse in Proverbs 29, that left to himself, right? This is what kids will do, 
right? That folly is bound up in the heart of a child, left to himself. This is the path that they're on. And the tool that the parent has to correct is the rod and reproof, Proverbs 29, 15. All right, so that's uh, that first blank. We discipline because our kids are full of foolishness. Number two, we discipline because we love our kids. We discipline because we love our kids. Surely, we, 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 want, we want our discipline to be in the context of a loving home, a fun home, a, a home where our kids know without a shadow of a doubt that we love them and that we're proud of them. We're glad to be their parents. We're glad they're our kids. A, a place of love and warmth and joy. And one of the ways that we show that love is through corrective discipline. Proverbs 13, 24. Whoever spares the rod hates his son. Whoever spares the rod hates his son, but he who loves him is diligent to discipline him. All right, so one of the reasons we discipline is because we love our kids. To not discipline, this verse is saying, this, right here it is in the Bible, I'm, don't, I'm just the messenger here. He who spares the rod hates his son, but he who loves him is diligent to discipline. In Proverbs 19, 18, discipline your son, for there is hope. Do not set your heart on putting him to death. Isn't that an amazing verse? Discipline your son, for there is hope. Right? We, we have hopefulness about uh, the, the, uh, what the Lord can do with our kids and the, uh, the, the character that can be built. So, so discipline, there is hope. Do not set your heart, the, the, the opposite, that opposite side of that parallelism there in, in uh, Proverbs uh, nineteen eighteen. do not set your, start, your heart on putting him to death, meaning to refuse to discipline your kids is sending them on a trajectory of death versus life. The Bible holds up discipline as a deep act of love toward our children. To not do it is to give up hope. To not do it is to put them to death. A uh, pastor that I studied under uh, back in kind of my seminary uh, days, uh, he had this line, and it's, I've never forgotten it. Uh, when he was talking about, I didn't have any kids, but it just still just kind of lodged in my brain and, and stuck with me. Uh, but he says, you allow them to cry now over a pain that will go away in a few minutes so that they're not crying later in life over a few decades of pain that won't go away. I was like, what a, what a, what a perspective. They cry now over a pain that will go away in a few minutes, regardless of, of, and we'll get into a minute, what that pain means and how that's administered and, and what that means. It, it, you know, again, we'll nuance that, different kids, different seasons, all of that. We'll get to that in a second. But, like, nobody likes discipline, right? Nobody likes corrective discipline. So you make them cry now over a pain that will go away in a few minutes so that they're not crying later in life when they're 50, over three decades of pain that they can't erase anymore. Again, because this isn't just about parenting. This is about, this is about what that does for their life and how they relate to God, how they relate to others. Uh, it is a uh, serious and sober topic. Uh, number three, we discipline because we are on a rescue mission. We discipline because we are on a rescue mission. Proverbs 23.13 23, says this, Do not withhold discipline from a child. If you strike him with a rod, he will not die. If you strike him with the rod, you will save his soul from Sheol. You will save his soul from death. Do not withhold discipline from a child. You, if you strike him with a rod, you, uh, he will not die. If you strike him with a rod, you will save his soul from Sheol. Your child's soul is in danger of death, spiritual death. And so our task as parents is to rescue our children from death. 
Faithful, timely, controlled use of corrective discipline is a God-ordained tool of rescue. This rescue will not happen with mere education. This rescue will not occur naturally if you simply wait it out. Parents often ask, well, don't all kids eventually learn to obey? No, they don't. They don't. Our experience says, and, and it says otherwise, and so does Proverbs. The rod of correction is Proverbs 29, 15, and 17. The rod of, we read this already, the rod of correction imparts wisdom, but a child left to himself disgraces his mother. Discipline your son, so he will give you peace. This is verse 17. Discipline your son, and he will give you peace. He will bring delight to your soul. Now, it's very important that we remember that context matters, right? So the, 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 the use of the rod as Proverbs, and we're going to define that more in a second, but the use of the rod and Proverbs is not a fed-up parent venting his wrath upon a small, helpless child. That's not what we're talking about. That's abuse. All right, th- this is not how we image God in our, child, in our children's lives, is by that picture of discipline. All right, rather, the use of the rod, as we uh, see in Proverbs, signifies a faithful parent humbly recognizing his child's dangerous state and lovingly employing a God-given remedy. Right? So again, the issue is not a parental insistence on being obeyed. That would be closer to authoritarianism. The issue is the child's need to be rescued from death. The death that results from rebellion that goes unchallenged in a child's heart. All right, but how does the rod rescue then? Right? So if Proverbs saying the rod rescue, rescues, and we've already read that in Proverbs 19.15, right? The rod of correction imparts wisdom. That's what happens. So the, 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 the rod rescues because the rod imparts wisdom. So the child who is not submitting to parental authority is acting foolishly. He, he is rejecting the jurisdiction of God, rejecting the parents that he, God has placed in the child's life. So the child desires to live his life for the immediate gratification of his wants and desires, choosing his own rule over God's, and Scripture makes it clear that that leads to death. That's the height of foolishness. So the rod of correction brings wisdom to the child, I think, in a couple ways. One way it brings wisdom to a child is by providing immediate, tactile demonstration of the foolishness of rebellion. Right? So, so the, the rod of correction, it brings immediate, physical demonstration of the foolishness of rebellion. And secondly, it is imparting to the child a proper fear of punishment. So properly administered biblical discipline with the rod teaches the child that rebellion yields only trouble and it humbles the heart of a child, bringing the child back under parental instruction. Number four, we discipline because God tells us to. We discipline because God tells us to. The goal of obedience uh, in our kids is rightly regarding the authority of God. And so we call our kids to obey us because God calls them to obey us. Right? Ephesians chapter 6. God calls our children to obey their parents. Ephesians chapter 6. Children, obey your parents and the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Friends, when God gives you the play to run, you you run it. 
I've been in, I found myself in consulting conversations with pastors who are facing a situation, this is just by way of analogy, uh, facing a situation with an unrepentant church member, right? And facing that situation and, and a number of conversations I've been in with pastors who it's, it's so easy, and, and again, with a church member who's clearly an unrepentant sinner, it's so easy to start second guessing, saying, okay, well, how about instead of telling the church, we just kind of deal with it privately over here because we don't, we don't, know, we don't, not sure of what the ramifications might be if like other people hear about this. So let's just deal with it privately. Jesus said, tell it to the church, right? Well, how about instead of doing that, why don't we just go to that person privately and say, listen, hey, we don't think you're a Christian anymore. We're not going to remove you from membership. We're going to let you still continue to be a member. We're not going to, but we, don't, we can't, you know, we, we think you're acting like a non-Christian, but, you know, for reason X, Y, or Z, we're actually just going to let you still remain a member of the church. Jesus gave you the play to run. Run the play. Right? So, oh man, gosh, I know the Bible's telling me to discipline my kids, but ah, wouldn't it be better if I just kind of do this other thing over here? Oh, the social science today is telling me this. Let me, let me do this. We, we discipline because God tells us to. We run the play that we've been given. All right, Jesus gave us this. Matthew 18 and, and church discipline, and then all these verses we've read so far, Ephesians, Proverbs, we discipline because God tells us to discipline. So those are my, uh, the, why we discipline, four reasons that you see there. Again, if you guys came in a little bit late, I was, I was telling everybody at the beginning, I was debating on do we define uh, what we mean by discipline first and then come around with why we do it. I started with the why first, just so now, now you can see as, as we go to define the what, lest that sound harsh or overbearing or out of place, you just see the, the, the context of that. Uh, it, it's important. To, I, I think that's why I wanted to start with the why, because like, my goodness, how much is at stake? This is a rescue mission. It's an issue of love. It's an issue of how they're going to relate to God. This, this, uh, I mean, th- th- there's so much import here. That's why... Uh, we discipline the way that we do. So number two, what do we mean by discipline? What do we mean by discipline? Uh, discipline is the loving and brief application of painful consequences in response to disobedience. I'll just give you a little one-liner. Discipline is the loving and brief application of painful consequences in response to disobedience. That may take various forms, right? If I could lump them into two categories, uh, I would say uh, when we talk about painful consequences, I would say uh, category one would be physical painful consequences. I think that's what the rod in Proverbs is talking about. Physical painful consequences. It's not a euphemism. It's not an analogy. It's not a metaphor uh, talking about the rod. There's a physical uh, painful consequences. So that's category number one. And then category number two, I would just call special circumstances. Maybe, maybe other, uh, using other methods, depending on, uh, again, uh, as we'll consider, uh, age of kids, disposition of, uh, of kids with some, uh, in, in some special circumstances. Um, certainly, obviously we're a church, we're a church that, 
values and promotes uh, foster care and adoption. There are certainly some, some uh, uh, specific things to take into mind there. We actually have some resources that we can help parents out with. Uh, we had a group of elders read a, a book kind of thinking through that. How do you, you know, the answer isn't just, you know, for everybody, it's like, my kid's disobedient. Well, just spank them more, right? Like that's, that's, not, that's not just the kind of the, the one brush you just kind of paint everything with. There are uh, special circumstances and situations uh, where other methods may be employed. Uh, again, as uh, especially as kids age and dispositions are different. Uh, I mean, you you know, other people in here with multiple kids, like you know, like you know, you know, if you're like me, I've got some kid that I could spank, and they just they don't they don't even care. You know, <laughs> just, uh, they get that from me. Uh, unfortunately, uh, my parents have stories of me just kind of laughing and be like, yes, eh, that 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 didn't hurt. Uh, uh, and then you've got other kids, uh, my sweet Sophie, you just kind of look at her with like a disapproving eye and she's like, bah! she'll just break down in tears. I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to do it. You know? So again, you have different kids and different things are going to be, uh, uh, are going to uh, work better uh, or worse in situations. Anyway, so yes. Yeah. Well, I think that definitely, sure. No, that's a good question. And I, I, I think my first answer is that I think that definition itself is locating discipline primarily in the physical, in the, the application of, of physical painful consequences. I think, I think that's why the brief is, is in there. And then, okay, there are other special circumstances, right? So I, I think that's, Again, that, that's not entirely your question, but I think just for the definition itself, I think that's why the word brief is in there. Um, but I do think, uh, I mean, it depends, on, it depends on what the other, what the other you know, method would be, right? So um, I'm, you know, if, if having my kid sit to the, you know, to the side, uh, you know, over here on the side while, you know, we're they've disobeyed in some way and there's like a timeout type of situation chair in the corner or whatever and, I, and I'm doing that for a, a brief set period of time versus like you know it's 9 a.m. and I'm like hey I'm gonna get you at dinner time right like that's a like there'd be a brief application of that versus like an overbearing harsh way to do that I would think and so I and I just think that that it you know it depends on you know the punishment fits the crime in a sense and so Again, as kids get older and there's weightier consequences with some of the disobedience. I remember, I mean, as I grew up and was making super foolish decisions, right? My parents would, you know, remove, you know, uh, take away, you know, certain rights <laughs> or not rights, but, you know, privileges. That's a better word. <laughs> they take away privileges that I had for an extended period of time, you know. You know, when my mom saw me driving through town and catching air in my car, uh, she was like, all right, you're not going to. You're not going to drive for a while. Uh, so anyway, and that could be an extended period of time. So it depends on what it is. And, you know, so good question, though. Um, uh, all right. So the rod, the rod is a parent. And I'm going to give you this big statement. And then we're going to unpack that statement bit by bit. All right. There's a big, long kind of uh, another definitional type thing. So the rod is a parent in faith toward God and in faithfulness toward his or her children undertaking the responsibility of carefully of careful timely measured and controlled use of physical punishment to underscore the importance of obeying god thus rescuing the child from continuing 
in their foolishness until death. I'm going to give that to you again. And again, and then I'm going to pack it, unpack it bit by bit so you'll get it uh, a couple more times. So the rod is a parent in faith toward God and faithfulness toward his or her children, undertaking the responsibility of careful, timely, measured, and controlled use of physical punishment to underscore the importance of obeying God, thus rescuing the child from continuing in his foolishness until death. First element of that, it's a parental exercise. The Bible does not grant permission to all adults to engage in the use of the rod. In Scripture, it is always found in the context of a parent-child relationship because biblical discipline is always in the context of love and of security and of warmth, right? That's the context that it exists in. Now, it's not to say that you couldn't uh, have a situation, you know, we're going to be out of town for two weeks, my parents are going to be, or Kim's parents are going to be watching our kids, and you don't pass that authority to them clearly in front of the kids and in front of uh, Kim's parents so that they know that they have the authority uh, to exercise this discipline. I think there's, there's a place for that. Um, but it, the, typically when we're speaking about this, it's a parental exercise. It's a parental exercise. We said that's an act of faith. Right? And I already covered this, but God has mandated the use of the rod. So the parent obeys not because the parent perfectly understands how this works or because the parent is uh, perfectly at peace with the biblical requirement for this, but because God has commanded it. It's, uh, the, the use of the rod is an expression of confidence in God's wisdom and the trustworthiness of God's counsel. That's why we do it. So it's an act of faith. Yeah, we don't, we don't always understand all of it. We may not always like it at all times. And it's not easy, but it's an act of faith. It's an act of faithfulness. So it's faith toward God and faithfulness toward his or her children. It's faithfulness because it's an expression of love and commitment to your child, recognizing uh, and discipline that there's hope and refusing to be a, a willing party to your child's spiritual death, as we've seen in Proverbs already. It's a responsibility, another part of that definition, undertaking the responsibility. So it's a responsibility. So it's not the, the parent de, uh, determining to, to, to punish. It's the parent determining to obey. The parent is God's representative undertaking on God's behalf what God has called the parent to do. All right, there are many biblical figures that you can look at, like King Saul, who refused the responsibility of God's command and jeopardized his own standing before God that and that of the people that he represented, right? Our children do not ultimately belong to us. They are a gift and a charge from the Lord, and he loves them more than we ever will. Uh, They are are his ultimately to love and to nurture and to teach and to correct according to his will, and he is using us towards those end as well. Uh, It's a measured use of physical punishment. There's a kind of a number of words that I gave there in that. So careful, timely, measured, controlled use of physical punishment. So the rod is is, uh, the careful, timely, measured and controlled use of physical punishment. It's never a venting of parental anger. It's not what the parent does out of frustration. The parent knows the proper measure of severity for this particular child at this particular time in their particular life. So it could be the squeeze of a hand. It could be a flick on a hand. It could be a spank on the bottom. It will likely be different things in different seasons, but it should be painful enough to communicate the folly of disobedience. Uh, Kim and I have met with, with, uh, with uh, parents before who were like, listen, we're doing that and it's just not working. And look, I get it. That happens sometimes. Kids are different, uh, different dispositions, different makeups. But there's times where then we were, you know, preview of, of, of how they were doing it. They're like, oh, that's how you spank. Okay, well, yeah. Yeah, it doesn't, you know, it's like, 
it's like, you know, that was a high five. Like that wasn't a, like that, you know, like, ah, we've been doing that for years and it's not working. I'm like, well, like your kid didn't even feel that. Like it's not even a thing. So uh, uh, it is a, uh, again, it's not the venting of parental anger that there, there, there's abuse that can happen in that. Again, we, we dare not run from biblical directives and biblical teaching because of the abuses of those things. Right? We don't do that with food. We don't do that with sex. We don't do that with discipline. Well, well people abuse those things, and so we, we, we therefore shouldn't engage in what the Bible would have us do. Um, so it's a measured use of physical punishment. Uh, and it's a rescue mission. We covered this already, but it was in the definition, so I'll mention it again. The, the child who needs discipline with the rod has become distanced from his parents through disobedience. The application of the rod is designed to rescue the child from continuing in his foolishness and to restore peace between the parent and the child, and, and therefore to the home. Um, there are, I had, ah, how much time do I have? Oh, yes, that's great. Um, uh, I had seven objections right here uh, at this point in, in the lesson. I'm going to hold, uh, I don't know, five of those, maybe four of those till later, just to see if those are questions that come up or uh, if, if those will be, will be better answered later. I do want on this point to, to offer two, uh, two objections because I think they're important because they're biblical and theological. There's other objections that are going, going to come up uh, for different, different reasons, uh, personal and, and situational and those kinds of things. But let, me, let me address two because biblical and theological, I think it's important to, to mention here. Biblical, some people will say, no, 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 the, the rod uh, means uh, correcting and guiding. Right, the rod in Proverbs, just like a shepherd might have a, a rod where he would kind of direct the sheep and kind of, you know, maybe correct, course correct for them. That's what Proverbs is talking about. That's what the rod is talking about. It's not talking about uh, an implement of, of, of physical pain. And again, I haven't said this yet. So I, like, I don't have a rod in my house. Right? Like to, uh, I, I think that's a, the rod is referring to that physical uh, uh, punishment. Again, it could look a number of different ways, as, as we've said, squeeze on the hand, flick on the hand, spank on the bottom. Uh, some people do have like use a wooden spoon or, you know, have some sort of a of thing. Different people have different uh, uh, kind of uh, approaches to that. Obviously, there's arguments on both sides. The people that use some sort of an implement, like a physical thing, like a rod or a spoon or a, a little strap or something like that, um, the, uh, the, the idea there is that the, a, a child won't associate uh, your hand with that physical punishment that, you know, uh, the, 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 you know uh, the argument, I think, is that well, if you have some sort of intermediary kind of implement, then they're not associating your hand with, uh, with, with that um, that punishment. Um, so some people go that direction. Uh, personally, I don't. Uh, we just use our hands in our home. And for me, that's because I, I, can, I can better feel if I'm being inappropriate in my use of discipline, if I'm using my hand versus something else. And so I feel like I wouldn't have the, the feel of that if I'm using something else and no, okay, that was probably too hard. I need to repent and apologize. Or, you know, that wasn't hard enough, if that makes sense. So, uh, Sorry, where was I? Uh, the rod. So biblical. So the rod. Uh, so people say, oh, no, 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 it's a corrective thing, right? Uh, that's what the, the word rod means. It's like a shepherd's staff that would correct and redirect. I don't think so. One, there was a proverb that we read that talked about the rod and reproof. Right? So the rod and correction are, are tools that we use. We have the, the corrective tool of the rod and we have the corrective tool of correction. That would be really weird if the rod actually meant the same thing as that. So we have correction and we have correction. We have reproof and we have reproof. And we have rod and we have reproof, right? I think those are different things that we have in our toolkit. 
Also, the, the, the proverb that says, uh, 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 use the rod, you won't kill him. Right? Well, that, that's, that would be a weird analogy to, to if it was like, well, the rod doesn't mean actual physical punishment for sin. Well, why the line about, like, use the rod, you're not going to kill the kid, you're just going to correct the kid. Right? So I, I, I don't think we can biblically, linguistically get out from underneath of, uh, of, of that and just saying, oh, it's, just, it's merely kind of this guiding, course correcting kind of a thing. Theological. Here's my theological thing. Um, and this is, a lot of this is anecdotal. This is conversations I've had with friends. Um, is this theological one is some combination of this. Well, what about grace? What about love? Right? God shows us grace. God shows us love. And so why, as a parent, I, I want to show my child grace. I want to show my child love. Well, first, on the issue of love, again, Proverbs 13, 24, whoever spares the rod hates his son, but he who loves him is diligent to discipline him. Proverbs 23, 14, if you strike him with the rod, you will save his soul from death. Physical discipline is so far removed from it being a wrongdoing or an act of excess that in the Bible, the withholding of it is seen as as hatred. So to the person that says, no, 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 I I want to be loving. Well, friend, the Bible is just apparently defining love differently than you're defining it. Because the Bible is saying actually withholding it is what is unloving, not the administering of it in a godly and biblical way, right? So if you have made the decision to, to not correctively discipline your, your kids or, or to spank because you somehow think it's wrong in principle or it's unbiblical, you just need to take a closer look, All right? You're, you're, you're in danger of your own personal wisdom on the matter clashing with the wisdom of the Bible. Uh, again, you, now you may have other reasons. You may have other reasons, uh, family history or personal or some other things while you're doing it. But to say, no, no, we don't do it because the Bible says not to. It doesn't. And, and I think that's, and especially if you're on this idea of love, um, that's, that's, it's the opposite of what Scripture is saying. The other part of that, so grace. So love, grace, uh, the, the issue of grace. What about grace? Doesn't, you know, God, and I've heard, my, I have a friend who said, God doesn't treat us harshly. You know, he gives us grace. I just want to say, that's, that's unfair. That's, a, that's an unfair way to frame the conversation. It's a, it's a straw man, right? Harshly is a, is, a, is a straw man argument in this context, right? Sure, God doesn't beat us, but he does discipline us, right? He does allow and bring negative consequences in our lives to teach us what is right, does he not? Like God does that. He brings negative consequences, painful consequences in our lives to show us the foolishness of our sin, Right, so, so, so God does allow that to, to happen. Um, and, and what Revelation 3, 19, those whom I love, I reprove and discipline. So be zealous and repent. Revelation 3 says, Hebrews chapter 12 puts it this way. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. All right, so, so God, yeah, God doesn't, God doesn't, you know, uh, he doesn't beat us. He, he isn't abusive of us, sure, but we're not to do that in our parenting either. But he does allow negative and bring negative consequences to teach us about what is right. Also, one more comment on that. It's also a misunderstanding of what grace is, right? 
listen, think of it this way. If we know that God is entirely perfectly gracious and that God disciplines, what can't we conclude then? That discipline and grace are at odds with one another. You just can't, you can't conclude that on a, on, a, on a definitional level. That if, if God is loving and God disciplines, we have to say there is a way to be both loving and to discipline. Because God does that. Right? Again, now, <laughs> we're, we're imperfect, right? Both in our love and our grace and in our discipline. But, but that, that, that's, and we confess that, we, we realize that. But that's different than on, on like a definitional level saying grace and discipline are at odds with one another. And so we're not going to discipline because we want to be gracious because God's gracious. Friend, you just can't do that theologically, right? God is love, God is grace, and God disciplines us, all right? Um, I mean, the, the church in Corinth, right? Uh, 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 1 Corinthians, remove the man in sin for the destruction of his flesh. 1 Corinthians 5, for the destruction of his flesh that he might be saved, all right? So we may need to tweak our categories of grace and love and see what all can actually be included in the, 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 the categories of grace and love. I think God disciplines us in his grace, in his love for us. So again, someone can decide not to, for instance, spank their children for personal reasons or, or whatever, but I would encourage you to not try to argue it from theological principles about God's character, because I don't think that's how God's character is presented to us in Scripture. All right, when and how to discipline. Uh, when and how to discipline. Um, and I apologize. I'm sure there's 30 questions out there. I want to keep trucking. Last time I did this, I didn't get to this section uh, because I was doing a lot more questions throughout. Um, and, and so uh, let, me, let me go through these, see if we have time for questions. Happy to stay after uh, the service and, and chat a little bit, or the service, the quibbing hour. Um, when and how to discipline. Um, again, I said at the beginning, you can't just airdrop into this lesson, right? So part of the win of disciplining our children is in the parental context where we're showering love, we're showering affection, telling my kids that I love them and that I'm proud of them. And I'm happy to be their parent. We're having fun together. We're just lavishing love. Like this all exists in this context. You want, your, you want kids who are well-loved and well-disciplined, right? Well-loved and well-disciplined. The goal isn't just well-behaved kids, though we want that, but we want them to understand God. We want them to understand uh, that God loves them and that God requires holiness of them. All right, so, so the, the when. Whenever you've given a directive that your child has heard and understood, and it is within their capacity to obey— and they have not obeyed without challenge, without excuse, without delay, then I think the use of the rod is at play. All right, so, so when you've given a directive that your child has heard, that your child has understood, and that is within their capacity to obey, and they have not obeyed without challenging you, without excuse, without delay, then the use of the rod is in play. Uh, and let me just say on the... <laughs> on the heard uh, part of that, that they've heard and understood. Listen, yeah. Discipline can improve your kid's hearing. Let me just say that. So if you have a kid, they're like, hey, I didn't hear you. I didn't hear you. I didn't hear you. Okay, well, 
I, I, think, I think they did, right? Uh, and so it's remarkable how hearing improves once uh, discipline is involved. Let the reader understand. Um, so uh, the, where was I? Um, yep, so you're given that directive. So, so keep in mind that without challenge uh, means without, without you know, fussiness and complaining and stomping off and, and, and huffing uh, and, and big deep sighs of discontent, right? We discipline for bad attitudes. God commands children not only to obey, but to honor their parents. And if a child is talking back and whining and complaining and glaring and rolling their eyes and hitting and kicking, that child is not honoring their parents. Um, yeah, three expectations from kids. Three expect, uh, so three expectations from kids and three expectations for parents. So, uh, so defining obedience, and this is even helpful in your families to define obedience. Kids, this is, this is what we mean. When we say obey mommy and daddy, this is actually what we mean. This is, this is what we're after. This is what, so again, you want this to be clear. So uh, defining obedience uh, with uh, your kids, all right? So we, we want you, so obedience just at a base level is submitting. It's the submitting of one person's will to the authority of another, all right? That's what obedience is, submitting of one will to the authority of the other. And so we have three expectations for kids. Number one, uh, they do what they are told. They do what they are told. Your kids must do what you say. Right, outright saying, listen, man, outright saying <clears throat> no to your face should, should just be, that's a non-starter. Like that's a, for a, a, a child in a Christian home to have the ability to just say no, right? Just, just as an act of defiance, right? I'm not talking about like... <laughs> You know, do you want chicken for dinner? No, I don't. I'm not like, like, but as an act of defiance, directed from the parents, no. I, listen, I hear that at dinner parties. I hear that with friends. Like that, that, that's a, that's immediate. There's a couple things that again, we, we, we have conversations with our kids about all kinds of stuff. But there's a couple that if you ever hit, bite, kick, punch one of your siblings or somebody else, I don't even care who started it. I saw you. It's like in the NFL, right? Like it's a person that retaliates, a guy that gets busted all the time, right? I, I saw you. you. We can talk about what they did and I'll go have a conversation with them. I just saw you hit her. And so we're gonna, we're gonna, go, we're gonna go in the other room, right? And we're gonna have a conversation and there's gonna, there's gonna be discipline for that. So you, you hit, you kick, bite, scratch, any of that kind of stuff. And if you ever say, you ever say no, right? It's, it's usually, I, like you ever, like, that's your mom. She's my wife before she's your mom. And so you bow up to her, like that is not going to happen in this home. And so you, you respect your mom. You respect women in general, but you respect your mom. And so I'm going to step in and you, you do not say no to her face. Like that is, it's, so there's a couple of things. Again, we're, we're trying to, you know, kind of get in there and see what the details are and what happened and all those kinds of things. But there are two, and I don't care where we are on that. Like, you know, if, if we're at a friend's house, like, listen, I'm sorry, but do you have a, you have a bathroom, spare room? I just need to go have a conversation, right? Um, and if you do that in my house, gosh, I love it. I'm like, hey, praise God. That's, I, like, don't, you should go do that. In fact, I'm sitting here thinking, like, you should go do that. Like, let's, like, let, let's go take care of that. Um, and so I, I, I think we should have, again, out in public, you know, use your own wisdom there, especially in this day and age. Goodness, like, there's, you know, CPS will show up in a second for, you know, scolding your kid in public or, you know, telling them no. Um, anyway, uh, so where was I? See, this is why I get in trouble. 
I just get <laughs> off. Um, so, uh, so they do what they are. Uh, they do what they are told. Um, again, uh, some parents want to work with their kids at this point, right? So, so either either redirecting. So the kid says no. Be like, oh, okay. Well, what what would you like to do? Like you would like to do something else? Well, let's let's figure out what it is that you would like to do, right? And they just kind of do this redirecting thing and try to give them something else that will make them happy, right? So, so either a, a redirecting, uh, uh, or or it's uh, just a you know it's you know. It's, just, it's, it's, it's not, that's not that big of a deal after all. Guys, that, that's not parenting. That's a hostage situation. Like, I'm serious. Like, they've, like that's a hostage situation. Like, that's a negotiation with a, ho- like in a, in a, with a, with a captor. You're the captive, and, and you're negotiating with them. So, so there's, there's times to, 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 and parenting to bring other things, but if, if, if that kid is outright openly defying you, uh, that's not the time to be like, well, well, what would you like to do then? Uh, we can talk about that, but that's going to be after you're disciplined for rebellion and disobedience. Um, so they do what they're told. They do what they're, so number two, so these are three expectations from kids. They do what they're told when they are told. Um, slothfulness and sluggishness, a slowness for doing what is right is a disregard for what is right. There's a word, you've maybe heard this, there's a word for delayed obedience. What is it? It's disobedience, yeah. Uh, that's the word for delayed obedience is, is disobedience. So they do what they're told when they're told. Uh, number three, they do, they do what they're told when they're told, honoring the one who told them. Honoring the one who told them. So without holding back, without pushing back, without talking back. So this could even be the definition that you use with your kids. Kids, when we talk about obedience, this is what we mean. That you do what you're told when you're told, honoring the one who told you to do it, without holding back, without pushing back, without talking back. Right. And so that, that I mean, there's plenty of times and, and we'll usually do one reset with our kids. Right. So ask my kid to come over and pick up their stuff that they just, they just dump everything at the front door when they come in, just shoes piled this high and backpacks and stuff. So I asked one of my kids, hey, could you come over and pick up your stuff? And they're like, you know, and they do one of those. I'm like, oh, hold up. Time out. I want you to go back where you started. They're like, that was really far away. I don't care. Walk all the way back over there and I'll give you one more shot. Child, I won't use any kids names. Child. I would like for you to go pick up your stuff. And then if they do it again, okay, now, now it's just, I just gave you a chance, you know, but then if they, you know, trying to help correct them, like that is not how they do it without pushing back, holding back, talking back. Uh, expectations for parents. Um, expectations for parents. Number one, be clear. So uh, I'm going to give you, be clear, be committed, be consistent. Be clear, be committed, be consistent. So to discipline well, the first key is clarity. It, it's actually unjust if it's unclear, right? It's unjust if it's unclear. As kids age, again, we'll probably need to create a way for them to have an appeal process of, of some sort uh, as they get older and they can kind of explain themselves. Um, but we want to be clear with our kids. I want them to know that they are loved beyond a shadow of a doubt. And, and, uh, and indeed, the discipline we give is because we love them. And also to progressively help them see that disobedience is sin and rebellion against God. Right? We want them to see that. We want them to be clear. I want them to be clear of what we, what we expect. And so defining obedience is, is going to be uh, helpful for them to, to, uh, to do what someone says the right way, right away, with a respectful attitude, however you want to define it. Um, positive reinforcement when they're doing well, negative reinforcement when they're not. So be clear about what it is. And this is, we've already covered this, but this is God's standard and it has to be yours. You won't help anyone by lowering the bar of expectations. So be committed to this. Um, 
be consistent. Number three, be consistent. This is probably the hardest part of discipline, in my opinion, is consistency. Let me give you a few examples of consistency. Uh, number one is moving standards. So if action A is disciplined today and it's not disciplined tomorrow, that, that's inconsistency. It's not fair to the kids. Uh, it's going to be harder for you. Um, uh, so it's confusing and unfair. And I mean, I know one of the questions that always comes up, you know, you think you're like, if I do this, well, this is all I'm going to do all day. Like, this is literally all I do all day. Listen, the, maybe I think, uh, and, and kids are different. Uh, some kids don't respond as well. Um, we did have a season with one of our kids where Kim and I had a conversation where, listen, if, if, if this specific child, sweet little bundle of iniquity, is not uh, having at least one spank a day, we're probably asleep at the wheel. Like, we've had that, I mean, because there's a season with uh, a couple of my kids where it was just, if we were probably being inconsistent if we weren't doing it at least once a day. Um, sometimes it's more, especially homeschoolers and kids. I mean, you have a lot of opportunities uh, for that. Anyway, consistency. So moving standards, if it's, if it's just one of the day and not tomorrow, it's confusing, it's unfair to the child. Uh, another way of being inconsistent is yelling and anger is something we struggle with, is a, a, something that we need to repent and take before the Lord, get accountability. But not only is it a sinful response on our part, but what we're teaching our kids is that you, you don't have to listen when daddy tells you to do something. You just have to listen some point between when daddy tells you and when daddy loses his mind, right? That's inconsistency, right? Like you, so, so because the kids will start to learn, okay, I was told to do something. I can kind of get away with it until he just blows his top, right? Like that, that's the, 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 the yelling and anger, that, that's inconsistency um, uh, that, that is uh, not going to be helpful and not fair to the kids. Uh, number th the other one I'll mention on this is counting and repeating. Right, so Johnny, let's go. Johnny, Johnny, let's go. Johnny, I'm going to count to ten. One, one and a half. Right. So you do that like that again. What we're, we're teaching, we're, we're training. Right. Johnny doesn't have to listen to me right now when I ask for it. When's Johnny have to listen? Give me a number. Nine point nine. Yeah, it's it. It's not nine. It's nine point nine. Uh, right, Johnny just has to listen sometime between when they're told what to do and when I get to 10. That, that's, that's inconsistency, and it's not going to be helpful in our discipline either. Discipline, listen, uh, this is, uh, last thing I'll say, I guess. Discipline in parenting is really saying, it's saying to your kids, give me your mind. I, I need your attention, <laughs> right? I, it's teaching them to obey and to honor their parents. It's going to be hard to bring up your kids in the discipline and instruction of the Lord if you don't have their attention, if you don't have their obedience. And again, that's what we're after. We want them to love God. We want them to love God's people. Uh, and, and, and we want, uh, uh, we want to, to instill in them that there are consequences for sin. There's an authority in their life, and it's not them. And that God has placed us in their lives to help mold and shape them toward that end. I need to end because it's 10 o'clock um, I can uh, hang out afterwards to answer any uh, questions. If you guys are like, yeah, but what about this? And I have the situation. Uh, happy to, to do that as well. Let me pray. God, thank you for our kids. Thank you for all the kids in this church. Such a joy on a Sunday morning even when you see just so many kids running around and even the noise and the energy and the hustle and bustle of all the families. Uh, that is such a joy. We know it brings uh, you delight, and so we delight in it as well. We pray that our uh, parents here at Delray, that we would be strengthened and empowered by your spirit. This is a uh, I, I, 
I'm sure I probably made this sound overly simplistic and too easy and it's hard and it's wearying and it's difficult and it's painful and it's uh, all those things. So we do pray that you would give us uh, strength by your spirit um, and in community to uh, follow in the way that you've called us uh, to follow you and obey. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.